That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Welcome to our program. I wanted to start with what Hans Nichols has come right out and said. Well, he didn't use this phrase. I would say it's scotastic terrorism. There's a type of terrorism. It's called stochastic, S-T-O-C-H-A-S-T-I-C, stochastic We have now bombs at Hillary Clinton's house, bombs at Barack Obama's house, and bombs at CNN, right? Or things that look like bombs. And a bomb at George Soros' house. What Hans Nichols said, here's what he said. He said, you have had conservative lawmakers push some conspiracy theories that say George Soros is funding that caravan. You have seen some things that have been clearly debunked, issues that are not actually factual. Republican congressman, uh, namely Matt Getz down there in Florida, talk about how George Soros is funding that caravan. So he's talking about that in that context. The last time we had a a meaningful conversation about this on this program was back in 2011, after Gabby Giffords was shot. In 2016, Rolling Stone, David Cohen did a piece in Rolling Stone about stochastic terrorism. And in fact, interestingly, Merriam-Webster, the dictionary site, If you look up, what is stochastic terrorism? What is it? The headline is, were Trump's comments stochastic terrorism? This is from August 10th, 2016. This is on Merriam-Webster's website in their news trend watch section. They say lookups for stochastic spiked after an article in Rolling Stone used the word to describe Trump's suggestion that Second Amendment people could do something about Hillary Clinton. What it means is, and this is from Merriam-Webster, stochastic terrorism means using language and other forms of mass communication. So this is people who have access to the media to incite random actors to carry out violent or terrorist acts that are statistically predictable but individually unpredictable. Now, the benefit of this, the reason why basically every nationalist authoritarian movement that has used stochastic terrorism over the years has risen to power in the wake of chaos is because they could plausibly deny they had anything to do with it. 
you know, Trump comes out and says, quote, Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish the Second Amendment. And by the way, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is something you can do. I don't know. But I'll tell you, it'll be a horrible day if Hillary gets her judges in. Right now, we're tied. That's what Trump said back in 2016. This was uh, during the primary. I think that the point here, let's just combine both of these concepts and then, you know, fully understand what happened in Mussolini's Italy, what happened in Pinochet's Chile, what happened in Franco's Spain. Well, what happened around the world? I mean, there's a website called stochasticterrorism.blogspot.com that has a detailed explanation of this. And like I said, we talked about this on this program back in 2011 at some length. And in fact, you can find the threads are still over on our website. In fact, January 13th, the headline, are Sarah Palin, Glenn Beck, Michael Savage, and the rest of the gang guilty of stochastic terrorism? Question mark. I'm asking that question today about Trump and Bannon and Miller and the other guys, now that we know that Bannon and Miller are the ones behind the racist immigration question on the census and other things. See, go back to bin Laden. Bin Laden would release a video saying, oh, look at these horrible things that the West is doing. They hate Islam. They're going to kill us all. They're, you know, they're trying to destroy us. And boom, somebody would go blow themselves up. The stochastic terrorist in that case was bin Laden, but you couldn't prove an association between him and the person who blew themselves up half a world away. And that's what happens. And that's how it works. The person who actually plants the bomb or assassinates the public official, they're not the stochastic terrorist. They are the missile that was put into motion by the stochastic terrorist. And the person, the terrorist, is the person who uses the mass media as their weapon, as their tool, as the means to set those missiles in motion. And yeah, you could say, oh, it's a lone nut or it's a crazy person. Well, there's enough of them out there that if you want to be a stochastic terrorist and you are on a major television network or you are on a radio program or you are on a major radio network or you're on hundreds of radio stations around the country or you simply have access to the media, you're a member of Congress or something like that, you can hold a press conference and get your message, you too can be a stochastic terrorist. There's nothing mysterious about this. You know, all it takes is just the right push, right? The right few words. On 27 July 2008, this is from that website, stochasticterrorism.blogspot.com. On July 27, 2008, lone wolf shooter Jim David Atkinson walked into the Tennessee Valley Unitarian Universalist Church and shot nine people, killing two and wounding seven. He said he was motivated by his hatred of, and I quote, Democrats, liberals, the N-word, and the F-word for gay people. Only he used the words, obviously. When the police searched his home, they found books by Michael Savage, Sean Hannity, and Bill O'Reilly. On April 4th, 2009, Richard Poplowski shot five Pittsburgh police officers, leaving three dead and two seriously wounded. Police searched his computer and found links to various groups into a YouTube video of Glenn Beck talking about FEMA concentration camps coming. On May 31st, 2009, Lone Wolf Scott Roeder shot and killed gynecologist Dr. George Tiller while Tiller was attending church services. This is one of the clearest examples. Bill O'Reilly had over 20 times 
used the phrase Tiller the baby killer, this relentless campaign against George Tiller on his nationally syndicated Fox television program. In this case, Bill O'Reilly was the stochastic terrorist. And Scott Roeder was the missile who got activated. No relationship between the two. See, you can't, you can't hold Bill O'Reilly to account for this other than morally. The Tides Foundation, there was this guy, a convicted felon. His name was Byron Williams, set out from his mother's home. And so many of these lone wolves are setting out from you know, their parents' basements, heading for San Francisco. He was stopped by the California Highway Patrol for weaving in and out of traffic at high speed. When stopped, he immediately opened fire on the police. He wounded two of the California Highway Patrol officers. They returned fire. They shot him in the leg and then took him into custody. And at first they thought they were looking at a garden variety cop shooter. But no, he said Glenn Beck was his primary motivation. According to Williams, quote, Glenn Beck is like a school teacher on TV. He's been breaking open some of the most hideous corruption. Beck would never say anything about a conspiracy, but he would never advocate violence. He'll never do anything of this nature, but he'll give me every ounce of evidence that you could possibly need, end of quote. Prior to Williams' planned attack, Beck had mentioned the Obscure Tides Foundation 29 times on his program. This is stochastic terrorism. You heat the waters, you stir up the pot, knowing full well that sooner or later a lone wolf is going to pop up. Trump has been promoting this. It's been around on the right for a long, long time. As I'm pointing out to you, these go back to 2007, you know, just calling it out. This has been going on for a long time. But it has become one of the principal methods now of the Republican Party scaring the hell out of the Republican voters. In fact, I'm going to play an ad that right now the Republican Party is playing. I saw it last night on my TV here in Portland, Oregon. That, in my opinion, is stochastic terrorism. It's an incitement to violence by, quote, lone wolves or lone nuts, by unstable individuals. There's a reason why we haven't done this in America for a long, long time. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Outside, of course, of the constant stochastic terrorism of organizations like the Klan over the last couple hundred years. Back in 2016, when Donald Trump said that maybe some Second Amendment people would take care of Hillary Clinton, that was, by definition, stochastic terrorism. It's a word we all need to pronounce like 10 times to get it. We probably need a new version of this, right? Inciters of violence, really, is what we have always called them. But see, that posits a direct correlation between the inciter and the violence. And in this case, you know, somebody standing in front of a crowd saying, yes, pick up your rocks and throw them at those windows. Well, this isn't that. This is somebody on television or radio or in the political world saying, gee, Look at this. I mean, those other people out there, they're a threat to us. They're a danger to us. They're coming after us. They're going to hurt us. And you don't have to say the other half. You don't have to say, and so we should pick up our rocks, so we should build our bombs, so we should take our, you know, you don't have to say that. And this has been the Republican message since Trump was elected. I mean, it's been arguably the Republican message for long before that, but this is the ad. Here is the ad that the Republicans are running right now, presumably nationwide. I'm seeing it here in Portland, Oregon. I'm wondering if you're seeing this ad too and how people that you know are responding to it. Here it is. The screaming, the violence, 
the smears and death threats. The far left moving to socialism, undefended open borders, immediate tax increases, 100% government-run health care. The booming economy stopped. Nancy Pelosi back in power, gridlock, and then impeachment. Is that really what you want? Voting for any Democrat gets you all of that. I mean, this is obscene, right? And if you were watching that, those of you who watch us on Free Speech TV or on YouTube or Facebook, you could see, I mean, the imagery is shocking. It's frightening. And this is a major political party and it's billionaire donors. This is just beyond the pale. I don't know how to say it beyond that. You know, the headline this morning in one of the papers was Trump injects nationalism straight into the veins of his followers. And I said, well, you know, I think with nationalism, he just means, you know, I love my country. Yeah, I spent a little time last night researching nationalism, the history of nationalism. What does the word mean? And nationalism has really never, outside of the America First movement, which was don't challenge Hitler in World War II, the anti-World War II movement. Outside of that, the only nationalism that we've ever practiced in this country has been essentially white nationalism. Because nationalism, unlike patriotism, patriotism means I love my country. Nationalism is typically associated with a country that has a singular genetic base, right? Norwegians have been living in Norway. Their family has been living in Norway for 10,000 years, and that's why they're Norwegians. Swedes, the same thing. Greeks, the same thing. French, the same thing. There is a racial, essentially, identity or a genetic identity. Germans, I mean, the whole basis of Hitler's argument was, you know, blood and soil. And so there is this racial identity that is necessary for nationalism. We don't describe America using nationalist terms because we are not a racialized people. This is the first country that was based on a concept, right? Out of the enlightenment, the concept of democracy in a republic. And therefore we use the word patriotism in the United States. When you use the word nationalism, you're talking about a country whose Principal identity is defined by race. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. And so, gee, surprise, when Donald Trump talks about nationalism, David Duke tweets out, thank you, Donald Trump, for finally speaking the truth. Maverick in Edmonds, Washington. Hey, Maverick, what's up? Hi, Tom. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your show, and I don't know how to thank you, so I'll just say uh, thank you so very much. You're welcome. Thank Um, you, Maverick. I have a very quick question, I hope. Uh, I don't understand what the term small d Democrat means. Could you explain, please? Sure. Democracy is a political system of basically rule of the majority with certain limits. Back at the time of the founding of this country, the word republic and the word democracy were basically interchangeable. You look at the dictionaries from the 1700s and they're identical. So the first political party that was created was the Federalist. This was uh, the party that was arguably created by and with George Washington, although he later disavowed them and it became John Adams' political vehicle. It was a right-wing political party. Thomas Jefferson was the Anti-Federalist. He started the Anti-Federalists and they created a party called the Democratic Republicans. And literally Thomas Jefferson founded that party. In the 1820s, they dropped the word Republican from their name and that has been the Democratic Party ever since the founding of the Republic, essentially. It's the oldest political party in America. So people who describe themselves as 
Democrats, or for that matter, back in the founding era, they more frequently referred to themselves as Republicans. Jefferson referred to himself as a Republican and talked about Republican principles. It was always with a small r. They meant using this concept of government. I believe in this form of government. But now you say, are you a Democrat? Well, yeah, I'm a big D Democrat. That means I'm a member of this political party. I'm a small D Democrat. I believe in the concept of democracy, which is, by the way, in peril right now. Does that all make sense, Maverick? Well, couldn't you be both? Sure. I'm both. Okay. All right. Because I was trying to parse that out. No, they're not mutually exclusive. It's basically you're talking either about political theory or about partisan politics. Kind of like a rectangle's a square, but a square isn't a rectangle type of deal. Yeah, sort of. And the same thing with Republicans. You could be a small (laughs) R Republican, believe in, you know, republics as a form of governance, or you can be a big R Republican, believing in, you know, being a member of the Republican Party. Maverick, I got to move along, but thanks for the question. BlindsGalore.com was the first place you could buy custom window treatments online, and because of that, they know what they're doing. They've been doing this for over 20 years and have covered over 2 million windows and know exactly how to get you the right blinds at the right price. They make it easy. They made it easy for Louise and me to go in and order. It was a breeze. It will be for you, too. Blinds Galore's products are hand-built from scratch, delivered right to your door, and created just for your windows. Their expert team is happy to help you every step of the way, either online or over the phone. Plus, they have the industry's best guarantee. If you don't like your custom blinds or shades for any reason, wrong color, you measured wrong, you don't like the style, you can exchange it for another covering for free. Blinds Galore will even set you up with 15 free samples and free shipping on top of the free expertise. It doesn't get any better than that. Blinds Galore makes it easy to get the custom blinds and shades you've always wanted in your home. Go check out BlindsGalore.com and let them know we sent you. That's BlindsGalore.com. Dana in High Point, North Carolina. Hey, Dana, what's up? Hi, Tom. Uh, I just got to say that decades before Putin attacked our election process, we were influenced by a foreign power. For 20 years, uh, the Australian, Rupert Murdoch, has been doing everything he can to be the the author uh, and the dedicated, relentless driver of our descent into fascism. I agree. They are the original fake news and always have been. And this is why Kevin Rudd wrote this piece for the Sydney Morning Herald a few weeks ago called The Cancer at the Core of Australian Democracy, Rupert Murdoch. Perfect. And Kevin Rudd is a former prime minister. Yes, so he should know. Yeah. Yeah, and stochastic terrorism, I mean, they're the author of that and the driver of it, as all the examples you gave shown. And they... They literally trained Donald Trump for eight years during the Obama administration to not believe his birth, to, to hate everything he did to the point that Trump is now reversing everything that Obama did. Where did he learn that from? Fox News. Fox propaganda is what's running this country now. Trump listens to Fox and Friends. He tweets out any lie that Hannity promotes. Hannity is as much running the country as Trump is. And then, and then the Republicans run around to try to make the lies true. You know, somebody on Fox says, gee, there should be a 10% tax cut for working people. That would go over well. Trump then announces it at a, at a, at a rally and with a tweet, 
And so then a Republican congressman says, okay, I've got to write a resolution. Now, a resolution has no legal force whatsoever. It's not a law. It's simply a statement. I'm going to write a resolution saying that we want to have a 10% tax cut for the average working person, thus making Trump not a liar anymore. I mean, it's bizarre what's going on. And you're right. So much of this starts right there with Fox so-called news. Yeah, and Trump doesn't read anything or learn anything or even listen to the information from his intelligence. He listens to Fox News. That's his entire school from which he learns. Yeah, and this is a damn scary thing. Thank you for the call. Nancy in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Hey, Nancy, what's up? Hey, Tom. Love you. Love your show. God bless you. Thank you. Um, Stochastic terrorism. Remember when Sarah Palin put the crosshairs over Gabby Giffords? Yeah, that was the last time I talked about it on this program. I never thought that she got the blame that she should have gotten for that because it was so obvious why she got shot. And you mentioned, you were talking about this briefly the other day, about Second Amendment remedies. That was Sharon Engel that had brought it up. Right. She Before. used that phrase, uh, that Second Amendment re- yeah. remedies specifically. Yeah. She was using right. it in reference to Harry Reid, wasn't she? Wasn't that when she was running against Harry uh, Reid? And yeah. also one other thing, Tom, if I could very quickly, it was cadet bone spurs, not corporal bone spurs. You're right. Thank you for the reminder, yes. Nancy. Yes, cadet bone spurs. You're absolutely right. Nancy, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. That's a a good one. Robert in Tyler, Texas. Hey, Robert, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thank you for your program. I think that you ought to suggest that your listeners watch some of Fox every day so that they can talk back to these people about what their lies they're spreading. I agree. I shared the story on the program about how three days ago, Louise and I, or Saturday, Louise and I went to our granddaughter's birthday party, and it's about a 40-minute drive from here, 30-minute drive from here, and all the way there and all the way back, we listened to Fox News on Sirius XM on our car radio, because I hadn't watched it. I don't have it at home on my TV, and I hadn't watched it or listened to it in a long, long time, and it was just shocking to me, the lies and the hatred. I mean, just shocking. I agree with you, Robert, particularly the evening primetime shows are really worth checking yeah, out. And whatever time of day they can, just take some time and listen to their lies that they're spreading. Yeah, so, there you so go. Invigorate them. Yep, and mute the ads. Robert, thank you for the call. We'll be back with more of the news of the day and your calls. Are we looking at, well, I, I would say we are. We are looking at actual terrorism now in the United States. Who inspired this? This is the Tom Hartman Program. Is it inflammatory to say that this kind of terrorist activity, planting bombs, was inspired by the hard right or even by the president? Amnesty International, AI, has a new report out called Instilling Terror from Lethal Force to Persecution in Nicaragua. And it's all about how extraordinarily violent the government in Nicaragua is. We've had military coups. You've had the destruction and dissolution of democracy and democratically elected governments in Honduras, in Nicaragua, and in El Salvador over the years. Virtually all of it tracks back to Ronald Reagan's war against socialism, not even communism, socialism in those three countries in the 1980s selling weapons to the Iranians in exchange for holding the hostages in 1980 so that Carter would lose the election, and then taking the money from those arms sales and using that money to buy weapons that were then being smuggled down to Central America, to those three countries. 
We sowed terror in El Salvador. We even funded death squads. John Negroponte went down there and, hey, let's make all this happen. And suddenly you got people showing up with their hands tied behind their back and a bullet in the back of their head. Similarly, when Negroponte went to Iraq, you started seeing the same thing happen shortly thereafter in Iraq. May just be a coincidence. But probably is just a coincidence, right? But we just flipped those three countries upside down. And Trump's response when people start fleeing terror caused by their own right-wing governments, his response has been, oh, look at these brown people. They're trying to come into our country. Oh, my God, my hair's on fire. Let's, let's freak out. There's, there's 5,000 people, including some young children who are trying to get refugee status in the United States. I said earlier, I wonder if this is a Roger Stone dirty trick or a Roger Stone style dirty trick, shall we say. Because it's, it's just, this is just a, it's a horror what's going on. Erica Guevara Rosas is with us, the uh, America's Director for Amnesty International, a human rights attorney. Amnesty.org is the website. Their new report out, Instilling Terror from Lethal Force to Persecution in Nicaragua. So tell us about why people are fleeing Nicaragua. And I'm assuming that the same is probably true for Honduras and El Salvador, these three countries that Ronald Reagan just devastated back in the 80s. Is, is this the, the echo of that? Well, it's a different echo for sure. I mean, we cannot deny that the U.S. intervention in countries in Central America has been historically a factor that is pushing people out precisely because of the consequences of that intervention. I mean, we are speaking about countries who've been facing extreme violence, extreme poverty, marginalization. And of course, it's people, it's pushing their people out, but also they, they've been pushed to leave their countries because of the inability of their government to fulfill their responsibilities to protect their rights. And this is the case of Nicaragua, mm-hmm. uh, a country who's been experiencing one of the worst human rights crises in its recent history of the last six months. Uh, in mid-April of this year, a series of uh, reforms to the social security system sparked an outbreak of anti-government social protest. So uh, the government of President Ortega, rather than listening to the demands uh, from the people, uh, the government decided to implement a strategy, a strategy to repress people, a strategy that has had uh, very serious consequences in terms of the human rights of the population. I mean, we're speaking about more than 300 people who have been killed in the context of repression. Whoa. Uh, By their we're, government. We're talking about thousands of people who have left the country. Mm. Daniel Ortega was a socialist back in the 80s. What happened? Unfortunately, what we've seen is this government staying in power for so long that they ended up forgetting about the responsibilities that they have with the people who elected them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we are speaking about very young democracies that are still struggling in really establishing the rule of law, really protecting the human rights of the majorities. And instead of doing that, what they are doing is using repression as a way to pursue people to demand the, the, their human rights, right? right. So. Yes, Nicaragua has gone through many years of a struggle uh, for social justice, for human rights, and unfortunately, the people of Nicaragua are facing again 
the violent repression by the government. And we are speaking about not just the, the police who are repressing protesters and young students, but also the use of paramilitary groups that are heavily armed with rifles, AK-style rifles, Dragonov, Remington, M24, all of these weapons that we see in, in situations of conflict. Erica, what could or should the United States do? I mean, right now what we have is a president and a, and a, and a political party that is uh, basically screaming, uh, particularly on Fox News, oh my God, the brown people are coming. Basically, that's their message, you know, be afraid, be afraid. It's racist, it's xenophobic, it's, and, and it's activating, you know, not an inconsiderable amount of fear in, among older white Americans. But there have to be policy things that the United States could do that would cause these governments in Central America to reconsider the shift toward authoritarianism and, and essentially fascism and move back into the sphere of, of being functional democracies. Aren't there? Yeah, well, first of all, to say that this kind of Cold War rhetoric that President Trump has used against uh, countries in the region it's not, uh, you know, doing any good to the people there. I mean, these, these leaders are using precisely this black and white uh, narrative to justify the violations of human rights. And we've learned this, uh, you know, from many years of U.S. intervention, but it seems that President Trump is very willing to bring back these very difficult times for the Latin American countries. Uh, I do think that the right thing, uh, the right approach is precisely to join joint up efforts with countries in the region and other countries that are truly trying to find peaceful solutions to some of the problems that these countries are facing, particularly Nicaragua. But the whole approach to threaten governments, the whole approach to uh, uh, implementing sanctions is just making uh, the life of people very hard in these countries. I mean, right. we have seen the caravan of migrants, thousands of people crossing the borders. This is something that we, we haven't seen in the region for many years. I mean, and it's very reflective of the level of regression that human rights are having in the region, where most governments are utilizing a divisive uh, language and anti-white language to get into power. And then they are using this language uh, to transform them as policies. And this is clearly with Trump, right? He uses all this language to get into power, but now it's more than a language, you know, and a narrative. It's just policies being implemented and violating the rights of people. This caravan is a gift to Donald Trump. Is there any possibility that Ortega or anybody, any other right-wingers down in Nicaragua had something to do with helping organize it just three weeks before our election? Well, I mean, this is one of the justifications that many governments in the region are using, not just Nicaragua, but also the Honduran government, saying that this is organized by some political powers. And probably, you know, I'm not denying that there are some political powers that utilize people or take advantage of these dramas to, mm. to, to push their own agendas. But the reality is there, right? These people are escaping yeah. from extreme levels of violence, Genuine despair. from marginalization, from discrimination. I mean, this is something that no government can deny that it's happening. And yes, it's a gift to Trump, unfortunately, because he's feeding this language of hate, of division, this racist approach to dealing with the people who are just facing the consequences of very, very erroneous right. policies over the years. Yeah. Erica Guevara Rosas, the America's Director for Amnesty International. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Tom. Good talking. Oh, and hang on just a second.
This is the Tom Hartman Program. And over at Amnesty.org, you can find this new report, Instilling Terror from Lethal Force to Persecution in Nicaragua. Riduzone. If you struggle to lose weight, listen carefully. Riduzone works. I've never before endorsed a weight loss product, but I've seen the result firsthand with my brilliant wife, Louise, who, like so many, has had her share of diet frustrations. Losing weight is hard, right? Louise heard about Riduzone. She did her homework, learned it's FDA accepted, and that it helps us lose weight in a revolutionary way. Riduzone comes out of university research that discovered a molecule that helps regulate appetite. When it's out of whack, we're always hungry and crave foods we shouldn't eat. And good luck losing weight when you're already starving on day one. Louise tried Riduzone. She looks amazing. And I've never, never seen her this excited about a weight loss product. Listen, when diet and exercise aren't enough and you want to lose the weight you've been struggling to lose, get non-prescription Riduzone. Go to tryriduzone.com and use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, to receive up to 65% off on your order and free shipping. That's tryriduzone.com, promo code TOM. Hey, thanks so much for your support for the Tom Hartman program, along with your support for Free Speech TV. We deliver our program, of course, to commercial stations, which is how we pay our bills uh, through the revenue from running advertising. And you can learn more about those at our website at TomHartman.com. But we also share our program with non-commercial outlets from Free Speech TV to Pacifica stations all over the country. And because with the Pacifica radio stations, there's basically no revenue coming in. The way that we support our nonprofit outreach is in large part through Patreon. And, you know, over Patreon, people who support our program at patreon.com slash Tom Hartman, um, people who support our program there get, you know, special little clips and there's a few other goodies uh, behind the scenes kind of stuff. But that's principally, if you want to support the Tom Hartman program, um, that's the way to do it is to get over to patreon.com slash Tom Hartman and check out what we're doing and support our program. Thank you. Let's check in with Ellen Ratner with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report, by the way, brought to you by GoatsfortheOldGoat.com and Ellen Ratner's new book, Loving What You Do. Hey, Ellen, what's going on in the world? Nice well, to have you back I'll with us. Well, I'll tell you, the most interesting thing is that there were packages sent to the Obamas' uh, house in Washington, D.C., to the Clintons up in New York, and also to CNN in New York City at their headquarters, and they actually evacuated the entire building. The Secret Service has not uh, said what was in the packages. We also know that George Soros got a package two days ago. So and, and apparently maybe Debbie Wasserman Schultz and, and Governor Cuomo, although I'm not sure about Governor well, Cuomo. I think he yeah, came out and said sure it's a terrorist. All, but the White House has actually come out very much against this and says that these people will be prosecuted within the full extent of the law, whatever that means. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay. I call now, this also, scotastic terrorism, uh, Ellen. It's, it's what Bill O'Reilly did when he called George Tiller the, Tiller the baby killer 29 times until finally somebody killed Tiller. It's like, you right, know, if, if you exactly. yell and scream about how evil the other group is, eventually some maniac is going to go, gonna yep. Go after them. A whack bird is going to go after them for sure. Yep. And it's very interesting. I'm actually up in Boston today at a McLean conference, and they are talking about addictions, the various new treatments for addictions. Uh, now, the president claims that addiction has gone down under him, but who knows, right? Sure. He claims a lot of things. 
Okay. Now, one of the things that's very interesting is how health care is going to affect the midterms, which are two weeks from yesterday. What we know about is that the president is claiming that addiction's gone down under him, but of course he also claimed a lot of things. And in fact, Martha McSally, who is running for Senate in Arizona, claimed that she voted for uh, the pre-existing conditions, which is just absolutely not true. Yeah, she's one of, uh, I think they're up to eight or ten now Republicans who have come out, including uh, Rick Scott and Scott Walker, come out and said, oh, I want to protect people with pre-existing conditions. Oh, right. And they're exactly. lying through their friggin' teeth. They, they have engaged in lawsuits. They have repeatedly voted against uh, pre-existing prote- uh, condition protections. It's just they finally figured out this is a big deal. People like it. It's just like they say, oh, yeah, we love Social Security when, you know, in fact, they're not. Their, you know, their, their main mission is to destroy it. Now, there's another issue that's going on, and that has to do with this caravan that is coming through Honduras and to Mexico. They broke the wall in Mexico. And the president's saying that he is talking to his immigration people and Homeland Security. However, those funds run out on December 7th. So after they come back from recess, they're going to have to decide what to do about that. And Nancy Pelosi said she's not interested in talking to anybody about the wall, even if she tries to deal, even if the president tries to make a deal with the dreamers. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, that's very interesting. Also, um, it's like the Federal Trade Commission is mandated to police deceptive practices. However, there's a question of online privacy and whether that falls under the FTC's jurisdiction. Very interesting about that because what's going to happen with online privacy, and we do know that people are very objecting to working for the government because of this, uh, of the privacy issue. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Also, the president is going after his own Federal Reserve chair. He's saying that every time he increases interest rates, every time we do something good, he's only, well, he's increased interest rate three times this year, but it's only 2.25 percent. I mean, it's not that much money. No, and and not only that, if if there's another recession and the interest rates are not up to around at least three and a half or four percent, the Fed will not be able to lower interest rates far enough and fast enough to stop that recession, which is going to make it a hell of a lot worse. And that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to get back to normal. He has run up the national debt by 17 percent. Yeah. Yeah. If interest rates go to three and a half percent, the interest on the federal debt, which is virtually all brought to you by policies promoted by Republican presidents going back to Reagan, who came into office when the federal debt was less than one trillion dollars and tripled the national debt in his eight years. The the amount of interest that we'll pay on that national debt is going to be greater than the defense budget. Well, it's really interesting that there is a building in New York City, which I see all the time, that actually has the national debt and how much we actually owe on it yeah. all the time. Yeah, the guy who started that, he died a few years ago, but apparently a foundation picked it up and they're still running it. Yep. Now also the president says that he's got pictures of Comey and Mueller hugging and kissing. The FBI could not find any of these photos. The president says he's got a hundred of these photos. Nobody knows whether they exist or not. He's, I know they don't. He's lying through his teeth. He lies constantly. Right, well, we do know that. <laughs> also. Uh, as I think I said to you, that health care is becoming a major issue. It's becoming a major issue in, in Florida, where, of course, there's a lot of older people. And there is this issue of Andrew Gillum, mayor of Tallahassee, going against Ron DeSantis. And the issue seems to be health care quite a bit.
Very interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Ellen, thanks so much. It's great to hear Thank from you. Thank you. Ellen Ratner with Talk Media News, brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Ellen's book, Loving What You Do. Take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with one atom of oxygen and boom, you just created nitric oxide, a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health, keeping you vibrant. But as we all age, our bodies need help generating more natural nitric oxide. Superbeets by Human N has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets and created a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. The core philosophy of Human N is to develop heart-healthy products for your body. One teaspoon of Superbeets daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without the need of a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. We're talking real. We're talking healthy, natural energy. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats and free shipping with your first purchase. Feel the 1 plus 1 equals boom effect of Superbeats. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. Our book today is The America Syndrome, Apocalypse, War, and Our Call to Greatness by Betsy Hartman. No relation. The, this is from the introduction, End Times and Endless War. According to opinion polls, a staggering percentage of Americans accept that the world will end in a battle in Armageddon. In a 2010 Pew poll, 41% of respondents said they expect Jesus Christ to return to the earth by 2050. Two years later, a Reuters poll found that over one-fifth of the American population believe the end of the world will happen in their lifetime, as, a, as compared to 6% in France, 7% in Belgium, and 8% in Great Britain. Another recent poll by the Public Religion Research Institute reported that 49% of Americans think that natural disasters are a sign of the end times. In the months before the purported December 2, 2012 Mayan apocalypse, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, received so many inquiries from children and adults terrified that a rogue planet might crash into the Earth or that the sun might explode that it set up a special web page to allay their fears. The page received over 4.5 million views. On December 22, NASA posted a video it had made in advance why the world didn't end yesterday. Of all the intertwining reasons for our apocalyptic disposition, reasons I explore in this book, the one that stands out most starkly is our acceptance of the necessity and inevitability of war. In the same 2010 Pew study, 6 out of 10 Americans saw another world war as definite or probable by 2050. This expectation of war isn't surprising given that Americans' apocalyptic images and beliefs are derived mainly from Christianity, especially the book of Revelation at the end of the New Testament, which above all is about the grotesque violence and crowning glories of war. The book of Revelation is wartime literature. Its author, John, is thought to have been deeply affected by the Roman army's attacks on Judea and its siege and sacking of Jerusalem in the year 70 AD. John himself was banished to the Greek island of Patmos by Roman rulers around 95. In John's macabre vision of the end times, a fourth of the earth is wiped out, a third of the trees, green grass, and sea creatures are extinguished, and a third of the world's water is poisoned. There are terrible earthquakes, fires, and plagues. Four demons kill a third of all humankind. The whore of Babylon, a symbol of evil and carnal lust, is assaulted by the seven-headed, ten-horned beast, which strips her naked, eats her flesh, and burns her with fire. Toward the end of the book of Revelation, the Savior, with eyes like a flame of fire, faithful and true, rides out on a white horse to lead the armies of heaven in battle. 
He is, quote, clothed with the vestiture dripping in blood, end quote. And on him are written the words, quote, King of kings and Lord of lords, end quote. He holds a sword in his mouth to smite the nations so that he can preside over them with a rod of iron and the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. In the final judgment, the dead are brought back to life, but those judged to be sinners by their deeds are thrown, along with the devil and death itself, into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, where they meet the second death of eternal suffering. Fortunate, then, are those who are judged worthy to live on in the New Jerusalem, a city with streets of gold, gates of pearls, and walls inlaid with gems. There is no need for the sun or moon, since God and the Lamb are the light, and from their throne flows the pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, that nourishes the fruits of the tree of life. This promise of a new Jerusalem for the elect and the cataclysmic violence against people and nature necessary to achieve that goal has made the book of Revelation an ideological tool of conquest and empire from the Crusades onwards. You don't have to be a Christian to be susceptible to John's logic that the perfect end, the new Jerusalem, justifies a bloody means. Despite the official separation of church and state, religious axioms thread through the fabric of American political culture. Historian Robert Bella coined the term civil religion to describe the religious orientation that the great majority of Americans share. That a higher authority guides human affairs, that American history follows a providential path, that Americans are special and exceptional, a chosen people obliged to carry out God's will or else suffer dire consequences, are widely held to be self-evident truths. So too is the belief that war is divinely justified. The Civil War marked a watershed in the evolution of our civil religion. As it metastasized into a total war that targeted civilian populations as well as soldiers, estimates of the war deaths have recently been revised upwards to three-quarters of a million people. Leaders and clergy on both sides invoked divine authority to justify that slaughter. Quote, many saw in the unprecedented destruction of lives and property something mystical taking place, writes historian Harry Stout what we might today call the birthing of a fully functional, truly national American civil religion. Patriotism became a sacred duty, as important as, as adherence to a traditional faith, maybe more so. Civil war deaths created a republic of suffering in which sacrifice and the state became inextricably intertwined. World War I brought about a major reaffirmation of this civil religion. The nation's turn away from isolationism to global intervention was accompanied by hyperbole about its starring role as world redeemer in a continuing war between good and evil around the globe. President Woodrow Wilson complained, the world must be made safe for democracy. The book, The America Syndrome by Betsy Hartman. Latasha Brown, the co-founder of Black Voters Matter, is on the line with us. The website blackvotersmatterfund.org. And her Twitter handle is Ms. M.S. Latasha, L-A-T-O-S-H-A Brown. Ms. Latasha Brown. Latasha Brown, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being with us. I understand you were on the bus of African-American voters in Georgia who were heading out to vote who got stopped and thrown off the bus. Do I have that right? That is right. Actually, as I'm talking to people now, we're on the bus. We're riding through rural North Carolina doing what we do, which is connecting and encouraging people to vote. And so we were in Georgia. We were in rural Georgia in a county called Jefferson County, which is like in eastern Georgia. We had an event earlier 
at the center, a community center, there were probably about 60 seniors there. We sang, we talked, we did a presentation. They wanted to come out and see the bus. We came out and seen the bus and had an impromptu pep rally, just had an amazing time. And then the seniors, some of the seniors said they wanted to go vote. There were 10 that were originally going to go vote. And the county was going to take them on a ban. But over 40 seniors said, we want to go vote now, which is early voting. They actually got up on the bus. We were chanting and ready to go. We stepped in and were taken off. And then the bus was stopped. And when the bus was stopped, we were told that someone had seen the seniors get on the bus, had called the county commission. The county manager had called the director and said that the seniors could not go on the bus and that they needed to get off the bus immediately. That's crazy. That is crazy. Crazy. But ultimately, everybody voted, and I understand that this action that was taken against you in Georgia has not only raised the profile of Black Voters Matter, but it seems to have invigorated a lot of Black voters in the Southeast. Absolutely. We've been getting phone calls, which is why we're in North Carolina right now. These are states where we've been working in, but we've been getting phone calls from as far as Iowa. Can you believe that? I'm wow. like, oh, you all want us to bring the bus to Iowa? <laughs> um, <laughs> But Alabama and Mississippi and some of the other states we're going to have been, people are really fired up. And there's a particularly, if you know, in Southern African-American tradition and the Southern black tradition, our elders have a very special place for us. Yes. You do not mess with grandma and them, right? That has invigorated people in a way that we've actually heard folks have said we could have imagined. Like we were, at the time, we felt it was such a traumatic experience. And I, I don't want to overlook this as well, because while most of the voters, most of the folks who were on the bus, they actually got to vote. I do want to share a story. I'm not going to say her name right now, just to protect her privacy. But one of the elders that was on the bus, as we were going out, she told me, she said, baby, I turned 90 years old this year. And she was so wow. excited. She looked fantastic. She was dressed up. Just like my grandparents, my grandparents would actually put on their Sunday best to go vote. And she was dressed up and she was excited. She got on the bus. And then, of course, we know the incident. Well, I uh, was speaking to our organizer and she said that this elder was actually having a hard time, that she had been having flashbacks and she had been crying, that that incident had triggered something in her of what she had experienced as she was growing up in the deep rural South. And I think you have to see this as not just these incidents, not that it's just voter suppression or their interference with the vote, or even whether folks want to say it was a misunderstanding, whatever it is, there are consequences that people who have lived through that, who have experienced a time when they would actually be killed just for registering to vote, that something like this could be really traumatic. And in this experience, there's a 90-year-old woman who was one of the women on this bus who has actually been experiencing that. So I just wanted to offer that this is real. These are people's lives, and we've got to do everything we can to protect the vote, that we are all on one accord, that it's everybody's right to vote. If you're a citizen of this country, that is your right, and the government should be facilitating people to vote, not necessarily trying to stand in the way of them voting. Yeah. Amen. Although the Republican strategy since 1980 has been to block, well, actually, the white racist strategy forever. I mean, going back to Reconstruction has been to block the black vote and block the women's vote, for that matter, for a long, long time. By the way, that's a remarkable story, Latasha, and that's so on point about the trauma that that woman shared. Thank you for sharing that with us. Tell us about the Black Voters Matter Fund and what people can do to support your efforts if they go to your website, blackvotersmatterfund.org. 
Yes. So with Black Voters Matter, we have a C3. If they want to give a tax-deductible donation, that all that arm of our organization does is actually do voter education and GOTV. And this is nonpartisan, right? This is not affiliated with any political party. It's not affiliated with any political party. We do have a C4 that we do issues, and oftentimes we're really more focused on issues, but we will support campaigns that support the issues that we're concerned about. But Mm -hmm. So you can go on our website. Our organization is designed to help build the political infrastructure and black community, that there is an engagement to really address voter apathy, to really address some of the issues, to really listen to folks and connect with people. That's how we know that you build power by connecting folks, that if you want a true democracy, you want as many people as possible to be a part of the shaping of it and to take ownership of it and to be a part of it. So that's part of our work. Even out of this process, one of the things that we're doing is on this Sunday, people can go on and they can donate. They can actually volunteer. We actually have, you can do virtual phone banking with us. But on this Sunday, we are organizing with 15 other partners that we've brought together to do what we're calling a No Voter Suppression Sunday. We're kicking it off in Atlanta. We've got a fleet of buses. We're going to have at least 12 buses that are taking people to vote, early vote throughout the metro Atlanta area. And then all that week, we're doing it in selected rural counties that we're working. We want folks to know how serious we are about protecting this right to vote. And we want people to know how serious and committed we are to connecting, educating, inspiring, and mobilizing and motivating our people to really be a part of this democratic process, because that's what we think will make democracy stronger and better. Yeah, and you're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. So you're doing God's work, Latosh. I'm so glad that you're out there. I'm so glad that we were able to get you on the program and share your story with people. Will you please keep us up to date on how things go? I would certainly do that. Thank you. Thank you for this platform. And please, we ask people, if they want to get updates on us, please, we're very active on our Facebook page. So check us out on Facebook and they can even text us. We matter at 797979 and then they can get updates from us. Text We Matter to 797979? That's correct. Cool. Okay. And the website, once again, is Black Voters Matter Fund, F U N D dot org. And Latasha Brown. Latasha, thanks so much for the great work you're doing and for dropping by our program. And, and just keep it up, please. Keep it up. All right. Thank you. Okay. I look day. forward to talking to you next week, find out how everything else is going. And, Sound good. Okay. Yeah. Good talking with you. Is uh, Donald Trump following, I'm not saying Donald Trump is Hitler, is Donald Trump following the fascist playbook? Is that what's going on? Or is it something different? And if it's something different, can you identify that for me? Because I don't see how it can be anything other than that. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Martha in Winter Haven, Florida. Hey, Martha, what's up? Hi, Tom. I was thinking about Trump and whether you can say that he's a Nazi. And I think of it from a different perspective. I think that he is of a personality type and disposition, probably a combination of nature and nurture, that has created the perfect kind of person to morph into authoritarianism. Oh, I think he's been an authoritarian his whole entire life. Yes, but now he's at the levers of the ultimate power in this nation. And I think it is a matter of whether he is a Nazi. I think it is a matter of he is authoritarian, and he will evolve along that path as long as we let him, as long as we don't show up and put checks and balances back in place to stop him. 
Well, and he's got a bunch of billionaires behind him who are, you know, in the background, very quietly funding, you know, massive advertising campaigns, massive get out the vote drives, massive efforts on social media, all because they're domestic, considered legitimate. And there's no reporting on the hundreds of millions of dollars that are being poured into this campaign and into these efforts, these last minute efforts by these billionaire groups to support the Republican Party. Come hell or high water. I mean, they're all doing what Fritz Tyson did, you know, in Germany in the 1930s. You know, the industrialists supported Hitler all the way until he turned on them in 41. And it's going to keep on going. Martha, thank you for the The call. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the dark money pouring into the state in the last week or two against Gillum and for Scott and against Nelson is just disgusting. Oh, speaking of disgusting, speaking of disgusting, Martha, listen to this. This is a robocall against Andrew Gillum that has been sent out by a neo-Nazi group that I don't know if you've had your phone ring with this in Florida yet, but people all over Florida are getting this phone call right now. And it's absolutely bizarre. I is the Negro Andrew Gillum, and I'll be asking you to make me governor of this here state of Florida. And it continues like that. I mean, I'm not going to continue the whole thing, but it's the worst kind of, you know, minstrel show mimicking. In the ad, he actually says Jewish people are going to vote for Gillum because Jews are the ones that have been putting Negroes in charge of the white folks, just like they done after the Civil War. And it was the head of the GOP in Miami that was there with the Proud Boys as they were attacking the campaign headquarters with Nancy Pelosi's entourage inside. The head of the Miami GOP. Why isn't that a major story? Yeah, well, I think it is. But you're absolutely right. I mean, we're seeing the rise of the brown shirts right now. And the brown shirts didn't spontaneously erupt in Germany any more than these right-wing nationalist, white supremacist hate groups have emerged instantly in the United States. This stuff has been percolating for a long, long time. And now is their moment, and they are seizing it. Martha, thank you so much for the call. And thanks for listening to our Pacific affiliate there in Winter Haven. Tom Harbin here with you. So, okay, here's what we have right now. We have a president who literally lies to us dozens of times a day, every single day, thousands of documented lies. And I'm not talking, you know, small stuff like, you know, oh, yeah, we had 2.4 percent unemployment when, in fact, it was 2.5 percent. No, it's nothing like that. I'm talking about whoppers, right? Just plain old flat out lies, particularly lies that make Democrats look bad or make Republicans look good. And he lied through the campaign. He lied through the primaries. And by the way, his other Republican opponents tried to call him out on it. You will recall, I mean, Mitt Romney saying this man is a pathological liar. Ted Cruz went off on a terror on him, called him a sniveling liar. So here you've got a president who lies constantly. And then on top of that, they're repeat now now you've got the Republican Party actually working to amplify his lies. Like when he said when he lied the other day and said, you know, yeah, we're working on a 10 percent tax cut for the working for working people in America. Nobody in the Republican Party even knew about this. So quickly, you know, in the White House, it's like, quick, we got to get something here so that the president's lie turns into a non lie. And this one congressman from wherever he is, Republican congressman, says, oh, yeah, I'll introduce a resolution. Now, a resolution is just a a speech, basically a statement. I'm going to introduce a resolution saying that we should have a 10 percent tax cut. He's not even offering to introduce a law or a tax cut, just a resolution. And now Trump is saying, see, told you so. I was telling the truth. So let me just share with you uh, 
two thoughts about this from Franklin Roosevelt, and then I'll pick up your phone calls and we can continue the conversation. These are both from 1936. And uh, this is the first one. Remember, a number of years ago, there was a book, Mein Kampf, written by Hitler himself. The technique was all set out in Hitler's book, and it was copied by the aggressors of Italy and Japan. According to that technique, you should never use a small falsehood. Always a big one. <laughs> For its very fantastic nature would make it more credible. If only you keep repeating it over and over and over again. There was a quote I, I came across yesterday from Joseph Goebbels saying that every, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, the quote's easy to find. Every political slogan needs to be reducible to three or four words and needs to be repeated over and over and over again until everybody in the country can repeat it from memory. And that's of course what's going on right now, right? We're seeing the Nazi technique being used by Donald Trump and his Republican acolytes. And apropos of that, we've got all these Republicans who are running ads right now and doing media availabilities and even on, on Fox so-called news um, saying, oh, no, I love protection for pre-existing conditions. I always loved protections for pre I will vote for it. I will work for it. When, in fact, there's a lawsuit right now by 20 Republican states attorneys general and, and signed on by, I don't know if it's hundreds or, or dozens of Republican members of Congress and state legislatures all around the country, go on its way to the Supreme Court to destroy the Affordable Care Act's provision that says that health insurance companies have to pay for pre-existing conditions. They're literally suing to end your pre-existing condition protection, literally suing right now. And most of these members of the House of Representatives have voted to do away with pre-existing condition protections at least 50 times. So here's Franklin Roosevelt on a variation on that. Back in his day, it was Social Security, but it's, it's basically the same thing. Let me warn you and let me warn the nation against the smooth evasion that says... Of course, we believe these things. We believe in social security. We believe in work for the unemployed. We believe in saving homes. Cross our hearts and hope to die. We believe in all these things. But we do not like the way the present administration is doing them. Just turn them over to us. We will do all of them. We will do more of them. We will do them better. And most important of all, the doing of them will not cost anybody anything. There you go. I mean, and that was 1936, right? And it's like, when do we learn from history? Oh, my. Mark in San Francisco, listening on AM 910. Hey, Mark, what's up? Oh, Tom, yeah, I was thinking about the next election for the Democrats for the presidential run. I mm -hmm. think they ought to run on green energy jobs for everybody, full employment. 
put an end to the fossil fuel grip on, on our p- politics and put people to work. I agree. And I think if health care wasn't such a huge priority, they probably would be. But that day is going to come, too, especially as climate change gets worse and worse. Carol in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Carol, you have the last minute. Oh, yes. I was just calling. I wanted to know, how are these rallies that the president attends with Air Force One being financed? We are Um, picking up the tab for everything except the expenses specific to the rallies. We're paying to fly him there. We're paying to fly him home. We're paying for his overnight accommodations if he stays somewhere. We're paying for the Secret Service detail. We're paying for everybody who flies along with him, I believe. So, yeah. Totally unprecedented. And No, it's not actually unprecedented. Every president since this goes back to somewhere in my lifetime, they started doing this. And there was a big hoop-de-doop about it. And I'm not sure if it was... George Herbert Walker Bush or Ronald Reagan, but one of them started doing campaign things using Air Force One, and it's just been going on ever since. So he goes out and he incites people to... To violence. Maybe these acts that are happening all over the country today. In fact, he says he'll pay the legal fees and for then, violence. And then he comes out on television and says he's very upset, he's very angry, we don't condone this. Right. But it's just... And you and I get the bill for it, and he's selling maggot stuff in his campaign things, and all these maggot people are buying all these maggot hats and stuff, and it's just, it's incredible, and he's making, he's literally making money off these rallies. Carol, thanks for the call. Thanks so much for being with us today. What a day. Wow. We are seeing the fruit of stochastic terrorism being laid out by principally one political party. It's just breathtaking. Anyhow. The thing that we have to do is do not despair. Get active. Get out there. Get active. Tag. You're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.